Let me introduce you to the wonderful panel. Uh, we have here with us uh, James Devon, who is the Shiny Button Managing Director and Director of Murder Successful, other credits including Morgana Show as well. Uh, Andy Berriton is uh, the Executive Producer of Murder Successful, who also worked on Drunk History and Krakenori. And Tom Davis, the actor, writer, and BAFTA Breakthrough Brit, um, who other credits include Prevenge and Free Fire. So they are qualified, everybody. <laughs> about that. Um, so let me just start with the development. The Guardian, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes here because this is a good quote. The Guardian called Murder Successful a mash of reality show, prank show, sitcom, and crime spoof. It does the improbable and makes something new from the concept of fame, which is a great Guardian quote <laughs> to make something very academic about something that's very funny. So, how did the original idea? come together? What was the original pitch? Where did it all begin? Sort of with Andy, really. He, we, we had a few coffees together and we sort of chatted over a couple of different things that we wanted to do. And the craziest thing was murder and basically doing a murder mystery. And um, yeah, we sort of chatted it over. And There'd been a lot of panel shows at the time it was developed. And I think people wanted comedy shows, but they didn't want panel shows. And I think we all felt that we've all worked with character comedians and felt they were being really underserved. So we thought, why don't we do a show which uses them in a kind of completely different way? And that sort of fed into, when you break down detective shows, you just realise it's just a lot of people being interviewed by other people. And it felt um, like there was a great raft of sort of up and coming, like, you know, I'd work with you. Harry Lloyd. Who's <laughs> also um, was in that clip, embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. um, and you're always terrific to work with. Oh, um, but we, um, we, and we felt, and also I'd, I'd sort of done quite a few prank shows and me and James had worked on them and they always felt quite nasty and quite sort of, Pranking people was never something I felt comfortable with. I didn't feel like if you go into a restaurant and you're sort of playing this elaborate prank on everyone in it, they've not asked to be on television. And you're sort of messing with their lunch or their dinner. And it felt like doing something that was actually quite joyous and quite good-hearted. We never wanted to make it mean. We just wanted people to come along. And I mean, that was the hardest thing, really, first series, was to book people on it yeah. and let them know that we weren't going to pull their trousers down. It would be my trousers <laughs> more often than not. I think it's um, interesting what you said, because it comes from, there was all these panel shows, and it comes from, I think, the death of the sketch show. So because there wasn't sketch shows anymore, you're right, you had all these character comedians of people who could do sketch, who didn't really have anything to do. So And it was the things that we all watched and that yeah. we grew up with, with like League of Gentlemen and Mighty Boosh and all those shows, and you know, way back when you find Monty Python and those things, and there just wasn't anything like that on. There's elements of weirdly like things like Morecambe and Wise, yeah. like me and Andy always like that sort of thing of pulling someone aside that Eric Morecambe would do and sort of whisper in their ear like, "What are you doing? You're, you know, you're messing this whole thing up." And it became like <laughs> that. Um, the celebrity very much being like Morecambe Wise, very much being in on the joke, yeah. and looked after, and like you said, there's no cruelty to it. Which I think when the first series it was hard to, you know, convince people it wasn't yeah. cruel. So how did you pitch it? the BBC, famously not... First time really badly. Off. No, we did a read-through, because oh, obviously it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> mash-up. So we first thought, naturally, with a scripted show, you do a big read. But the problem with murder is that the reason it works, thanks to James as well, is the fact that it, we always play it like Naked Gun. It looks real, so then we can undercut it and be funny with it. If it looked like a cartoon, it wouldn't quite work, but it looks like we're trying our best, which we are, to do something <laughs> incredibly serious. Um, and I think we did the first time we did that, it didn't work. But the turning well. point was really James coming on board because mm. the sort of first sort of script we had, the end of it was done in a pub <laughs> during a pub quiz, quiz, and it was really unambitious. And James came in and was like, "You can't do this. <laughs> you know, it's got to be like an action film." It's and then the shootouts and the sort of the high tech, you know. And it became that that was 
that was a turning point, I think, where we... So the, we, the we, next yeah. time we shot something, because it, I think it always works with everything, it's such a weird, crazy show, which is why we love it, that I think until you see it, you can't quite get okay. what it is. So you made the taster, mm -hmm. yeah. and you directed the taster? No, I, I came on board <gasps> after the taster did the pilot. And the taster was, was good, and it had the essence of sleet and the sort of a, a nod to um, that film noir sort of world. But it was quite entertainment-y. It was yeah. quite yeah, game yeah. showy. Uh, and I sort of, what we worked on in the pilot is is making it feel like they're starring in their own cop movie um, and then looking at more sort of copy scenarios, interrogations, and making it real and dark and scary to get the best reactions I mean, from them. Because it's all, it's all based on... On, on getting their reactions, yeah. you know. The taster um, was more, I think we were just going, does this work? We've yeah. got a clip of yeah. a taster, so you can see for yourselves if it works. Um, <laughs> so let's uh, see the clip of the taster uh, with Greg James, which has never been seen before. So get excited, get ready to tweet about it afterwards. <laughs> nice to meet you, Greg, or is it James? I'm Greg James. Take a seat, not literally. I've been through 12 chairs in a week and the budget won't take it. You ever worn a uniform before? Yeah, uh, I used to work for Pizza Hut. Ah, oh, a flash Harry, huh? Tell me all about it. Uh, I used to... Uh, I, I delivered pizzas in Bishop Stortford, my hometown. I had a pizza once. But it wasn't a normal pizza, it was sweet. Made of butter and flour, sugar and eggs. It wasn't flat either, but tall with cream and jam in the middle. Come to think of it, it could well have been a cake. Oh, that's horrible. So, Daddy's little princess doesn't want a pony anymore. He wants to be a policeman. You got what it takes, kid? I, I, I do have what it takes, yeah. Do you know how to fix these? I brought it from a car boot sale about two weeks ago. Lost my temper with them the first day. That is, that is going to be difficult to do. I thought you kids knew all about the internet and stuff. <laughs> You think that's funny? No, no, I just... Uh, that's a tangle, isn't it? <laughs> One more important question for you. Have you ever met Westlife? <laughs> wow. I've never seen that either. <laughs> right. I've, I've not right. seen it since I think we... Yeah, we, we put it out. It was, those, yeah. those office scenes, those, that, that first scene when they first come in is, is sort of key to everything, really, because yeah, it's yeah. the first time they meet Sleet and... Um, and it's the first time that sort of Tom and, and credit to him, he figures out what what that relationship's going to be really, and then and then it goes off on an on an adventure. So that and we film those. I mean, the pilot that we used to film those office scenes, which is pretty much that for like an hour to begin with, because yeah. yeah, it's really sort of getting getting a feel for because um, how we, it's going to be funny yeah. with them. You know, we plan, we think, we theorise how these people are going to be. Uh, which is why, obviously, Tom's so brilliant at being sleet, is that... But they, they never walk in. anything like we imagine. No, no. never, <laughs> ever. They just walk in and we go, oh, they're not at all like yeah. we thought they were going to be. Yeah, <laughs> and then the whole of the rest of the episode is us trying to figure out how we deal with that. So that was the taster. So do you, you then took that to the BBC? So we showed that to the BBC. And they then... take convincing after that? No, no, they would. I mean, from that, because I think what was really good about the show is even though the read-through didn't work, we built up, you know, talking to Tom and built up the character to that point. But what was really interesting about that is we didn't even, on a document, put down what will be really good was seeing people break down and laugh. Because you James, normally see that. Yeah, you yeah. see that. James's thing was keeping that corpse in. Mm. And I think it, 
I have to, you know, you go and try and explain this show yeah, on a so chat show or a radio show, and it's so difficult. And it is that weird thing of, and I remember the first time when we did our sort of press screening, I remember the, the sort of everyone coming in waiting for it to be shit. <laughs> and I remember people were sort of sitting there, and it was the Jamie Lang episode, oh, yeah. and I just, from, from that moment, he was kissing his own hand. Um, <laughs> the laughter, and it was, and every, the, the sort of press was, look, this is going to be really hard to explain. Just watch it and you'll get it. And that was the thing, I think, like Zai Bennett really took a punt on us. And I, I was sort of quite fortunate. I was in a position where the BBC were like, let, let, we, we kind of want you to do something. Um, and I, I, back in my head, it was like, you, I'm probably not, this is probably the one opportunity I get to do a lead in something. Mm -hmm. And it kind of has to be different. It has to be something that's going to stand out. So you, in that, you have to take a risk on the format and on the project. And I think, you know, and kudos to you, you were a friend of mine, but you came. There was a lot of people who were really worried about doing it. Actors. Yeah, I, I, I remember have to say talking when it, to when it first went out, like you get a call of like, oh, this is casting, and a few characters people like, what is this? Yeah. It was like, okay, and oh, people were up for it, but yeah, I was yeah, yeah. very like, I remember thinking, I just don't quite understand what yeah. they want to do. But it was like, oh, sure, I'll do an impression, and then yeah. figure it out from there. <laughs> I think we've only just figured out what. Yeah. Really, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then you made the pilot. Um, well, let's let's have a let's watch a clip of the pilot so we can see the change, the, the graduation of it. Uh, this is also never seen before. So let's have a look at this. So Connor, do you think we've got a chance? I think I think we can do it. I think. No, we... not the case. Me and my wife Helen. Um, yeah, I think... God damn you, Helen. Why don't I love you so much? All of her things are still here. Her sunglasses. I remember these. Want to try them on? Uh, Go on, stick them on. Indulge yourself. <laughs> you know, you look a little bit like her. Really? Put this scarf on, too. There's still smells of her. B.O. and despair. A little Stinks. drop of semen. It's just, okay. Her favourite scent. <laughs> See how we put this on? Yes, please. Put it on around your neck. Why you over your hair? That's it, boy. Oh, there you are. Do I, do I look like her? Maybe you change your voice. Helen was Irish. <laughs> do I...? <laughs> um... Do, do I look like her? That's do... beautiful. That sounds just like a Helen. Yeah, yeah, yes, darling. <laughs> I never told you something. What did you never tell me? Remember a few Christmases ago where we had that little kitty of loose change and it went missing? I took it, Helen. I spent the money in the pub. Oh, you bastard. Oh, Helen, can you ever forgive me? Yes. Can I you, can. Helen? I can. That's good enough for me, just knowing I have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the pilot, and that's Connor Maynard, who, yeah, that, I was involved in that pilot yeah, yeah. when I first yes. came on. And I had no idea who he was <laughs> until he tweeted a picture of it, and like 500 girls tweeted back, oh my God! And I was like, 
Yeah. That's my favourite thing about having you on the show is that you never seem never to know who anyone is. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't know who Jamie, I didn't know who Jamie Lang was. I've never, I don't have a TV, um, so it's quite difficult. So you can see, I mean, you can definitely see it evolving. It seems to be growing in confidence. And I think even the third series, you see, you've got mm. obviously just know more what you're doing. Yeah. But even their sleet seems a there's more more sleety in that one than yeah. in the taster. That was, I think, James, when James came on board at this point. And he wants his, James on board. His, <laughs> his experience about, you know, we, we always thought it's quite funny to get people in and be a cough, but then what we started to add to it, which is why I think it can carry on, is more can we start adding elements of drama that you wouldn't normally get, like what is Sleet's life and the bits and cop dramas of like what happens that you don't really see about their family life and stuff. And I think that's something that James brought when he came along, there's that, that texture to it, which is even funnier when you start being that real with yeah. him. Yeah, it, we, we, we worked hard on his, on his backstory, really. His backstory is incredible. And, and, and that, first <laughs> series, that first series and starting with the pilot was, was his ex-wife and Helen and the tragedy of that, which gives him depth, you know. Yeah. And, it, and it meant that not all the comedies coming from any interaction with the rookies coming from the murder mystery, mm. it's also coming from Sleet's personal life, you know, so. I think the way Tom plays, because you do play it very seriously, it makes yeah. it very hard. The celebrity is always not sure if mm. they should, like you get the feeling with Connor that like he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to upset you, oh, no. which is incredible. So they don't want to upset Sleet and say, well, obviously you're joking. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I always tried to play it like Denzel Washington in Training Day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the weird thing was, because when we, when we first ever pitched it, it was more of a comedy character. Oh. And I remember sitting with Andy and really frustrated, and, and then sitting with Andy and James, it was like, if you play him for drama, you know, and obviously I break, and as we all do, you're corpse, but the more you play him to be, like, I'm in a massive cop drama, you know, it, it works better. So the, the, the sort of intensity, the jeopardy becomes bigger. Yeah, you're raising the stakes. Yeah. I think if, we, if, we, if it was treated as, oh, it's silly, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. You can't watch that for half an hour. No. Yeah. But because you care and about Sleet and you care about the celebrity's relationship with Sleet. And the jokes, weirdly, that you know, sometimes I think would fall down if you were playing them big, like, oh, here, boom, boom, here comes a joke. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, completely, oh, yeah. But if you're sort of talking as if this is it, this is the end, this is the, you know, those sort of big moments before the shootout, to play them, and they're, they're so ridiculous. And I think that's the thing that I, I love about the show, is the sense of ridiculousness. But, the, you know, when, when we play around, or you're playing around with Colin Holt, everyone kind of comes in and plays it for drama. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what really, that's the joyous thing about it. I wonder, I don't know about you, but a lot of the other character comics that are on the show, we actually wanted to be actors. <laughs> and so, like, we really enjoy the draw, because in our heads we're like, this is BBC drama. <laughs> and we're sort of pretending we're in a genuine cop show. Yeah, yeah, Silly played straight. That was yeah. a real breakthrough for us yeah. um, from a performance point of view. Um, but absurd played incredibly straight. And then that informed and inspired, from my point of view, the way we shoot it is shoot it for drama and, and production design, lighting, everything. Um, you know, I think if it was, and I think a lot of people were expecting it when the first series came out to be sort of bright and studio-y and improv -y, and I think it would have fallen to pieces. I think because it's sort of dark and gritty and uh, it is sort of silly played straight, that's... I think your Darcy Bustle, I mean, just because obviously you're it, but it's it, that episode, Jamie Jack, which was the moment where everything we'd done with, like Connor was one thing, and, and but when, I think when we got Jamie in, yeah. you know, that was the first bit moment where you're like, wow, this really works. Like, this is, and, you know, you just kind of make a bit of a rod for your own back because, you know, the pigeon and the stone moment or whatever, that was all just improv. That was all just stuff that we played around with. And what, what it kind of did was we, we had a level then to try and meet. 
but I think the, the beauty of it was, you know, you, you, you in that, the Carr brothers in that episode was just sort of perfectly pitched. So we had something really to go to other people and go, look, this is what we're doing. So with Paul Whitehouse, for example, his Len Goodman was so, at first he was coming in, he was like, I don't know where the laughs are here. And you're yeah, like, yeah. it's going to be funny, the more straight you play this guy, the more you know, vile and the more sleazy he is. He came in quite big, actually, yeah, yeah, to yeah. tell him to bring it, which is hard to say to Paul. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty much the biggest bring hero. bring it down I've a got. bit, Paul, because he, he was approaching it in a sketch yeah. style and he was like, he wanted to keep going, seven, and sort of do this big sketch character and I was like, oh, it's not like that, you know, you'd be scary. And well, I was going, just do what you want, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Crack on, Sam. <laughs> um, it's because, I guess, that's the thing, the idea that there are these celebrities, and I, I think also that, that I mean, the Darcy Bustler episode, who is it? It's like Bruno Tonioli yeah, yeah, has yeah. died. Mm. You're talking about a person who is alive in real life and saying they're dead. Yeah. So you have to play it a little bit straight because otherwise yeah, it, yeah. It, it's so ridiculous that... But it's, it's, and they get that inclination, it, you know, in the little bit you saw there where you're like, you know, do, don't you think drinking makes everything better? And he's like, what is it? He make, it just, make, just makes everything more fun or whatever. And yeah, it just, it feels like noir. And, and I think that's the, yeah, it, it's such a weird, it, it genuinely is the most enjoyable thing yeah. to make because you never know where it's gonna go. As you know, we, me and you have sat together for an hour with Deborah Mead and asking questions that you're yeah. going, Jesus Christ, we've got nothing. <laughs> like, nothing that we've written yeah. has come out here and it's all gone a different way. Meadon was the most extreme, did not yeah. do anything we had planned. No. Ever. Deborah wanted to win, so there's this yeah. weird game going on. And we always thought the game was, oh, just come along. But some people take it so seriously. She had Deborah, questions written on the she second She grilled day. you about... 15 years she of gave me your a character's life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we do a backstory, but we don't do like 15 years of it. <laughs> How did you two first meet? How did you meet? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. She was brilliant because I think that was the first time for me, from a rookie's point of view, is that she, she was taking it so seriously. She wanted to get it right. So that she was yeah. genuinely frustrated with this huge idiot getting in the way of solving the crime. It had been sold to Deborah um, as a drama as well. <laughs> for, for the first half of the first day, she was going, I, this seems like a silly comedy. And someone had said, it's a cop drama you're in. No. So it was just then it dawned on her. So the moment where I called her a pig, I don't do pig, she, her face, she looked yeah. like she was going to erupt. But their bickering, um, their bickering, uh, Sleet oh, and Deborah, is, is, was so natural and so incredible and sort of better than anything you can write. Yeah. And performance-wise was so, as I say, natural and, and funny. And, and the longest episode that was. Three a bit hours. like Richard Osman, three hours... So, so the, the episodes, come because of the improv nature, the episodes come in around two, two and a half hours long at assembly. Um, and then we cut it, craft it, whittle it down. Deborah's was three hours long. Yeah. And actually, it was quite an entertaining <laughs> three hours. <laughs> it, was all, it was really hard to get down, wasn't it? Yeah, that last yeah. five minutes was incredibly tough because it was so funny. But, um, yeah, she took it but she was so great. seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why she actually guessed it wrong, because she, she was so serious. She played like a cop yeah. drama, so she was... her. Thinking was right, they, but she yeah. overthought she made it. And I was they like, they all no. overestimate our intelligence. Yes, yeah, it's, and simple. it's usually not pretty yeah. simple. And they yeah. kind of come marching over to us at one point, and they're like, Dermot, really? Did, it, was did they? And you're talking about? Dermot I mean, furious. clues are things like someone had a wooden leg and a weird eye, but they're just coming at you. Yeah. Like, I didn't see that. And you're yeah. like, it's definitely all there. It's not well, horror. When I was Cheryl, it was like that I'd been on holiday. Yeah. But there was a picture of me on holiday in the room, which we never, ever told Deborah was there. So when we revealed it, it was like, did you not? She was like, but you didn't in any way look yeah, like yeah. another prop. And we were like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the fun of it. <laughs> the look of the show does change quite rapidly. So the Deborah one, it was kind of sort of Agatha Christie-esque. Yes. in a house, wasn't yeah, it? And yeah, then yeah. the Jamie Lang one was very film noir. I know you've, the Martin Kent one is very Victorian. We've got some slides showing mood boards. Let's just have a look at these. 
So what? So you are taking genuine references for? Yeah, well, I think the overall feel of successful was was always sort of film noir, neo noir, um, and comic book sort of Sin City world. Um, but we we always wanted to do one sort of special episode in each series. So season one was the Agatha Christie, so we shot that like Agatha Christie. Season two, we wanted to do like a, a Fargo sort of Nordic noir one, which was the Emma Bunton one, where it was out in the woods, and we go to Northern successful. <laughs> and then series three, um, which was Martin Kemp last week, was doing a sort of nod to um, Peaky Blinders, you know, doing a sort of Victorian special. So, so not, yeah, the, the, the overall feel is that film noir feel, but we always do one special where we get out of that world which is quite nice there's a there's a the, the look and style so these are like mood boards what is that in the corner as a mood board yeah that's handy that's my personal sorry what we tend to do is we we kind of so each episode that's Mandy the standing. way we design it is that we <laughs> take kind of images and mood boards from different influences from things we've seen not particularly that but I've never seen that we present yeah. When we do the I'd big like feature, but they did send these one, 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 <laughs> one thing, one thing before that is interesting to say is the look of successful is quite interesting because it's a really good example of creatively thinking around a problem. So when we are doing successful, we film it most of the time in chronological order, which you don't really normally do on a scripted show. You kind of have blocks of shooting in different times, but obviously they have to do a who done it, and if you do that out of order, it's even more confusing. So. For them, they have to do it in order to be able to solve it. So for me and James initially, we were like, how are we going to do this? Because I think the first commission came in Jan at the end of the year, so we were filming in January. And we had all this thing about what's going to be at night and day, how do we do our shooting schedule? And then James was like, I'm just going to make it look like a Sin City Noir. And what that really meant was we could film a lot of it in darkness with amazing lighting. And that meant for us we could shoot stuff chronologically because it was a lot easier to make things looked like they were at night time in rooms and stuff and that was really interesting because that whole style and feel actually came out of a problem that we yeah. had to solve yeah yeah because we get we we film we film it in two days which is mental yeah. three <laughs> three cameras shooting at the same time um and normally you'd have sort of six days to do a similar scripted thing um so yeah simply to make something look cool and good yeah. in not a lot of time go film noir dark <laughs> Stuff at night looks ten times way cooler. Yeah. So uh, and film noir is quite easy because it's sort of one light source. Um, or be bold with your colours. So it's just being like bold with your look because yeah. you don't get time to craft it, you know, yeah. as you would. So um, there's so lots that, of that neon um, colours as well, isn't it? Yes. Like you do black and then there's a, a pink or a yellow, and that yeah. sort of adds. But I think also as an actor that adds to the seediness. Oh, 100%. often where we're filming is disgusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we have filmed in some disgusting, oh, yeah, horrible places. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the most derelict yeah. films. Oh, like the cheapest places, the cheapest about locations. About to be condemned. Yeah. It's like where we were. It was an animal well, testing that, plant this oh, time. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah, everyone was terrified of going anywhere on their own. It was so cold. It was so creepy. And it was oh. literally like the sort of, um, I think it was like the last week we're filming, someone told me what it was. And I've got a dog, so I was just really thrown out by it, which <laughs> yeah. was a lot of emotion that you'll see in the last two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it. They kept saying to me, oh, it's a science thing. Like yeah. no one was telling me. Oh, there were some weird rooms. Yeah, yeah we found yeah. some weird rooms. But that's part of the experience for me, is yeah. that for, the, for, for it to feel real and to get those genuine reactions for them, um, the fact that it's on location and it's in quite a dark, scary location, yeah. And they walk on set, and and it feels real. I think, if, as I say, if it was like bright and yeah. setty and 
it feels like they're walking into a sketch, I think it would have been a different thing. And the way you film it with the three cameras, do you come in as the actor, you often haven't seen the space either. You just come in and the three there's three cameras and they're sort of hidden. <laughs> like yeah, you as an actor yeah. are not often aware. So was that a big thing for you? You wanted everyone to just not feel like... Yeah, well, we do we do little things like, um, I mean, it's not hidden, hidden, but they're sort of back a little because bit. Because it's so dark. Yeah. You often yeah, don't know well, where that's they are. Part of it. But part of making it dark helps that, but we try and not use booms coming in because then you suddenly feel like, I'm on TV because there's a big furry thing. So we do little tricks like that to, to, to help it. But it's, yeah, it's a mad one. So it's, it's three cameras and I'm, I'm, I've got three monitors and I'm talking to all of the camera guys. Um, and, and I've plotted out, because there's movement in the scene, um, um, uh, how the action will change and queuing up when somebody's coming in and sort of talking them through it, really. So it sort of runs like a studio. Uh, yeah. Woods, but it's on location, and we try and make it look like a film. So it's it's a it's yeah. And there's like two takes because, as Jane says, the first one is primarily to get their reaction to things, which you can't. It's like lightning in a bottle; you can't capture that again. And then we do another one because sometimes when they're a bit more confident, they'll they'll add like for example, Pigeon the Stone with Jamie was probably about second the third take. second take. Yeah. Doing wides to kind of cover it because once you've done that. You can't kind of keep mind, getting it back. And yeah. with that pigeon in the stone was, I think that was like 40 minutes. Mm. And it was so the long. Last thing that and it in. felt like, it was like, Jesus, man. Like, we're going through loads of different things. And that became the most ridiculous thing to mention. Yeah, how do you kill a slug? And he was like, oh, he puts all on it. You know, you do this. And you're like, I've worked with incredible actors and actresses. And, but for him to throw that in, it's just like, where did that come from? Well, and for you to remember it. Yeah, yeah. sat in his ear for when he, he goes undercover and yeah, you know yeah. and you get the funny probably the funniest moment that I think probably in 10 years time we look back and that moment is you know is is so funny and also because his laugh is so <laughs> infectious <laughs> yeah. and trying to get the words out but it's having the patience because I said some of those times yes. it does you're in that room for two hours yeah, yeah. and the the camera guys aren't laughing because they're working some of them do some of them do Roy does but it's often quite quiet and especially when you're doing co yeah, comedy yeah. and that you are looking for laughter from an audience it can be you often, I find, when you're doing, you yeah. don't know if something has worked or not. Some of them as well don't. I mean, some of them are, you know, if we're going to be brutal about it, some of them are made by this guy in the edit. Yeah. Because you are there for a long time, and there's bits like me and you have done scenes, I've done scenes with loads of people where you're like, where's that moment? Yeah. And actually, because my mind's constantly trying to drive the thing. I'm trying to think, like, where's the ABCs? But, you know, and, but I'm always trying to find that moment that's just never been, we've never written, like, I'll, I'll throw something just to sort of get them to, so, you know, like Mark Wright in that episode. And Mark was quite tricky in a sense because he, for <laughs> quite a lot of the time, he took, turned around to me and after about an hour and went, what Mark do you want? Yeah. And I went, what do you mean? He went, do you want Towie Mark, Radio Mark, or just Mark Mark? And I went, <laughs> it's a bigger question than I can answer. <laughs> um, it was like in just one, you know, Mark Wright. But the moment... He, like, did, so, he didn't know how to play it, did he? And then, but then, so at lunchtime, we hadn't got a moment with him. So, and it was just before yours and um, Rachel's Rachel, scene, Aaron. and I was like, well, we need to do something here so that on the way to the room, we've got just a moment of me and him. And, let's, and we'd never written that. It was never in the filming schedule, but me, James, and Andy sort of basically messed around with it over lunch. So the moment where I go to him, we're going to have to go in here, stealth. Just lit, lit, and he went, what's stealth? <laughs> and you're like, now we've got it. Yeah. We've got that moment. And, you know, he, you know, and we sort of played around with that. And then that alley, you know, we got a an old man to take off all his clothes. Because he was like, what's going to shock Mark? Kicking open a door and a guy there naked. And so that, that was, was on all, the day as well. Yeah, yeah, that was all just stuff that we'd 
played around Over with. Over lunch, yeah. Because you're, you're very flexible with it as a show because you never know what the celebrity's going to do. But I think also what people don't realise, there is a script. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So who... How does the script begin? That you have one writer who just sits down and writes. We, we we kind of so what we do is we sit and together we talk about what episodes we'd like to do. So like for this series, we talked about things we've been watching. We really like things like Stranger Things. So we said we've never done a kind of X Files one. Um, so that so that series we talked about a Fargo or we we talk about adventures and things that influence us. And from that we kind of end up with like six loose paragraphs. We probably have more, and then we go to the BBC and they talk about like oh. I completely agree with these. These seem like really fun things to do. And then we structure those into beats, like you would do with a scripted show and do the murder mystery, which is the most tedious bit because annoyingly it has to work. So you end up having these bits that step over the comedy, but you, know, you do have to put the wooden leg or the weird hand in, else it won't work. So you do that, and then that goes to the writers, and they write a full script. And how many writers are there? Because there's different writers for different episodes. Yeah, right? so yeah we've got about. Three or four that three we've used, and yeah, um, yeah. And but we, we and we, we've brought in some new writers over the years. Um, but then that script comes in, um, and then we take that into workshops, as you know. Yeah. So we, we have a script, and then we use a runner uh, from the office to be the rookie. So they have no idea what's going to, and they come into that scripted environment. Poor runner has to get <laughs> abused yeah. for like a day. And we film it and we muck about of it and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't and uh, we encourage improvisation in those workshops and we sort of find the idea and then it's rewritten and then we rehearse it. So, so it's, 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 it's a bit different from normal scripted. You know, I think comedy. that's why it is so successful. Successful. Um, because um, you do have, there is a structure. So I feel like it, when, the, when we, some of us do more yeah. improv than others, but when yeah. you can improv, if it's not working, if the celebrity yeah. just is not doing it, you have this thing to fall back on, and which I, I think... There's the beats for you, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. think as well, that the, you know, going to that Mark Wright episode and other ones, in my head, I'm, I always think, I kind of sort of... I'm really hard on it. I'm always, you know, and I want it... Because it's such a mad thing. So I always think you've got to try and find those moments. And like, sometimes they're not in the script. Sometimes yeah. it's something I'll say to you just before we start, uh, or say to another actor. and Because the other beauty of it is also, you know... You're so quick, but sometimes if you get Luke Kempner, for example, who's an amazing impressionist, yeah, yeah. and you throw something in, like the bit you saw earlier with Cammy, and it's like, you know, don't turn up at his funeral and eat all the food and stuff like that. And Luke's like, oh shit, what's going on now? <laughs> this isn't scripted. And so he starts going, and Cammy starts going, and at some point, you know, yeah. you've, you've got that sort of. So it's always just nice having a couple of things up your sleeve. Yeah. A couple of things that you can just sort of throw at people. I think we've got a clip of a rehearsal, which I hope I'm not involved in. <laughs> well, I've actually got a clip of you somewhere on my phone of you when, when you were doing uh, Angela Merkel. And you spent the whole of the rehearsal on your little hoverboard thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> literally, you spent about two hours on that. Practicing, yeah. I was the only one who could use the hoverboard, so I just like yeah. to practice it. Um, right, let's see the clip of the rehearsal. You players from out of town? I ain't seen you around here before. And I know everybody. I guess it's my business. Well, that's very astute of you. Shall I make a note in my restaurant critic's notebook? What? You're a restaurant critic? Well, dang it. Now that cat's out of the bag. Hey, y'all boys from out of town. I ain't seen you around here before, and I know everybody. I guess it's my business to know. How <laughs> very observant. Yeah, we're out yeah. I'm going to actually make a note of that in my yeah. restaurant critic's notebook. Uh, 
Y'all restaurant critic, huh? <laughs> Dang it, that's a cat out of the back. <laughs> so, um, that's just, that's that. <laughs> that's that one scripted bit of that episode. Uh, no, so that, it was just to show, like, it, that's where we start and we get to that workshop thing and we do it. And then, obviously, the, 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 the brilliant team of the DOPs who work with James and the hair and the makeup, you know, take it on. But we do run them through in that room and we kind of know if they work in that room to some degree, we've got the kind of bones that then we can make. We, we walked into that room and it wasn't even dressed. No, it was <laughs> Before we filmed that. Um, it's such a tough job to, because um, uh, of the limited time and money, you know, so sometimes you're walking into rooms and they're not, you know, hence make it dark. <laughs> we'll make this one really dark. I've heard you say that a lot, just put darker, darker <laughs> Yeah, or towards the end of the series we've run out of money. Yeah. It's literally a chair in the middle of the room. <laughs> And that was Kerry Howard doing Katy Perry. Yeah. And that's in the second series, that one. So, yeah, you can see. And the poor rookie is just a runner who spent yeah. the whole day cracking up. He was brilliant, him, Patrick. He, he did Danny. Oh, Danny, sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, He's Danny. Yeah. He's <laughs> crying. Um, he did, the funniest thing is because in that series we do an episode with Cammy, oh, yeah. and me and Cammy are dressed up as prostitutes, um, obviously. And uh, so we had to do the bit of flirting with... with Jason Lewis, who was playing Kanye West. And Danny, was, I think still to this day, is quite scarred by being pushed into Yeah, he's not in a dress, but he was like, it was the most awkward thing. So when we came to actually filming that with Cammy, we were like, oh man, Cammy's an ex-footballer. He's quite masculine. You know, he's going to find this so awkward. And he went into the, the costume, went in with this sparkly dress and a big blonde wig, and he went, yeah, cool, great. <laughs> and then yeah. he turned up on set with this character he'd made, who was quite sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, uh, hey. I'm Cammy, and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and then it's a much because so this is this is really it. good. So it's a really good. So in my head, I'd always had that scene that we're going to play it, and sleep was going to be really, really sexual. Yeah. Because Cammy's became that thing. Sleep's then like, God, what's going on with you? <laughs> and then Cammy's like, kiss me, and I was like, what? <laughs> Grabbed my head, and he started literally kissing me, and I was all right, Chris, you know, And so he became so at home with it. It you was just, completely yeah, change your the angle, whole yeah. angle of that how we'd rehearsed it and rehearsed it and rehearsed yeah. it. And in our heads, we'd made the, made the presumption that Chris was going to be a little bit worried about that. He was so open. So and, yeah, and I think Too he kept the it. shoes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, as we've said, the celebrities will never behave as you expect. So the Deborah no. Meaden's a good example. We, we rehearsed that scene to the nth degree. We yeah. had all these ideas and she didn't do anything. Um, how, do you how do you choose the celebrities to get on? Because I think, the, again, the success of the show is they are unusual choices sometimes. Mm, yeah. so I think there's sort of, you know, obligatory, when you've had the reality TV show, people, it's been like, oh, yeah, they're fun. And then someone like Deborah Meaden, who I think, even then, on the day, we were all like, why did she agree to do this? Yeah. <laughs> like, what, I, th what I think those are our favourites more than yeah. why did yeah. they agree. Because I think, like, we get, we get you know, you know, people you recognise as those people. What, what, we, what we like is the people that you've seen before, mainly at the start and still, you know, not from an acting background because we're very concerned that they've so switched weirdly, into acting mode. Although this series with Martin, it changed it. But I think what came out is you get to see a different side of them. And you genuinely do because they, everything breaks down and then you just, it's just them because they have to be themselves. So I kind of think we don't really, we just sit with kind of names and we look at what makes a good mix. And we were really conscious this year. We'd had two years of having like Jamie and Vicky, Mark, the, the big thing for me was like, let's, okay, we've had reality stars. I, I'm not a massive fan of that sort of TV. I think that it's sort of like eating up great drama, great comedy. And I think, you know, so for me, it was like, we've had those guys 
but let's now push this into a place where we're using sort of Lorraine, Reggie, people who have sort of had a bit more about them, I guess. We, we pushed, you know, Jamie's episodes were amazing, and Jamie's a lovely guy, but it felt to me that if you, you're then getting the sort of second best Jamie, if you're getting someone yeah, who's yeah. sort of a, just a cast member of TOWIE, it becomes a bit more, so, a bit more trashy in a sense, and, I, I, you know, sort of really harshly speaking, I thought we have to take this up a level. We have to try Richard Osman and see how far we can push someone with his intellect and make him as, you know, bring him into the stupid world. And I think... Realistically, yeah. though, those are the people that are around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To be I mean, honest. It makes it so hard. And then by yeah. season three, we are fortunately in a place where, uh, you know, everyone is a fan of the show. So yeah. Lorraine Kelly, you know, it's her husband's favourite mm -hmm. show and she wanted to do it. And we're like, great, it's Lorraine Kelly. You know, Reggie so, was really but we had to get to, we had to get to a level where... It was weird, though, this time, because Richard Osman, Lorraine Kelly, um, well, all of them were fans of the show. So they came in knowing the show. Yeah. So you lost a little bit of that naivety and what the hell's going on. Um, um, but still funny. Yeah. But Lorraine Kelly was like, when do we go undercover? When do we do this? When do we do that? Because she'd seen it, you yeah, know. Yeah. Richard Osman would just walk around the sets looking for clues. Yeah. To I the degree that when he pulled, he yeah. pulled out a little receipt that was genuinely just a receipt yeah. that had been accidentally left somewhere and went, I think I've got something here. And I was yeah. thinking, no, that is just a receipt. But he, he did was it so in the, happy. In the Hillary scene, he went through Hillary's bag. He stole the handbag. And he took photos <laughs> yeah. of everything in the bag. And the, same, the props people were like, oh, we just filled it with some receipts. Because yeah. so it looked, yeah. and he was like, I've got this, is it. Yeah. I've got it on my phone. I'm going to go over it over lunch and think about it. And I was like, yeah. good it's luck. It's like eight donuts from Morrison's. Yeah. It's like nothing to do with it. I didn't even know what was in the bag. <laughs> Whereas Martin Kemp, I don't think, had any idea what was. Like, Martin was generally a joy. But yeah. he, he just lost his, <laughs> lost his mind on the whole thing. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that moment where he forgot his name. Oh, that's so good. But it was genuine. Like, I mean, James, that, that went on for about five minutes. He just could not get himself together. And he was, like, genuinely, like, you know, I just... And I, you know, I had to sort of take him aside and be like, look, you know, you're all right. Professional, Martin. Yeah, no, but it's like, you know, and... He kept on going, this is so funny, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And but you, like you, you said, it's really moments. weird. You don't, you but, but they constantly come after each scene and they will come over and say, was that okay, was that okay? Because actually you don't get the instant, like oh. me and James know it's funny because we're like trying not to laugh yeah. at the monitors. But when you're in there, you're just in a real You room. never know until when you, you film for an hour and then you one of you two will come. And if it's gone badly, they'll go, yeah, we're just going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if it's gone well, they go, yeah, yeah, just whatever, do another one, we don't care. <laughs> but, so you're like, oh, oh, we've got more work to do. But the, well, the first series, it was it, it, harder to get people to come on. Like you said, trying yeah, yeah. to convince people this wasn't going to be laughing at them. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. really hard. And se The more they enjoy it, the funner it is. Weirdly, it was, I, I guess, the second series, it was tr trying to... It's a weird thing because you get pushed into a position where everyone's like, how many followers has this particular person maybe got on Twitter? Yeah. And actually what you realise is that's such a sort of short-term way of, of making a show. Because yes, they may have two and a half million, but are those people following because they want to find out about the latest weight loss thing and that's what they're into for that person. So they not, might not come to the show. So it's really trying to find some people who, like Lorraine Kelly, everyone knows who Lorraine Kelly is, I guess. You know, she's sort of like a stalwart of television. So just on having her, she's not got a great social sort of media yeah. thing. She's not sitting there no. tweeting about what she's had for dinner. But people go, oh, Lorraine Kelly's on that, and she's got an AK-47 in the picture. <laughs> yeah. I've not seen her do that before. <laughs> that, that, um, they're the moment. That's great, seeing Lorraine Kelly with her AK-47 <laughs> shooting an alien, you know, or Deborah Mead and talking about yeah. farts in bed is, you know, it's... it's we have to kind of self-check sometimes. My, I think that's my... Yeah. We have to self-check how strange our show is because we're so in the bubble yeah. that you occasionally just look and go, 
There's Richard Osman dressed as a statue with Tom yeah. and Bill Nye's running an underground secret auction for a giant <laughs> brass gnome. And you go, that's just a weird sentence yeah. to say to me. Um, we talked about it a lot. We do have a clip of the Jamie Lang, uh, the infamous Jamie Lang uh, pigeon. So let's have, a, let's have a look at a celebrity being excellent on this show. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for it. This is Harry Styles and his gang. They're as lethal as they are ugly. He's a madman. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to hear everything I say through that wire. Mm -hmm. Repeat everything I say. Repeat everything I say. No, not now. When, I, when you've got the earpiece and you're in there, that's when you repeat everything I say, OK? OK. You need to be tough in there, kid. And we think it's all right on my first day to go in there? What, are you scared? No, I'm not scared, obviously. Well, what do you want? Do you want me to send you down to plant some flowers at the roundabout? No, I want to go... Do you know what I did on my first day? What? I took a gun. I went down to a biker gang. Yeah. And I took them all out. For no goddamn reason. How does that make you feel? You scared of me? No. Why not? Why don't you not be scared when I tell you I've killed people? Do you think I'm pathetic? No. Do you think people have sex with my wife behind my back? No. They do. <laughs> Is that funny? No, it's not. It's not funny at all. That's have you had sex with my wife? Have no, you? I have not. Have you had sex? I would never. Look do. me in the eye. He does this to everyone. You shut your face. Be on your way. Go. Get out. You disgust me. Is this, this is safe, isn't it? It's not safe. Okay. How are they doing beating him up? That poor slug. Hey, do you know how you kill a slug? Pour salt in it? Exactly. You know if you put a stone in a piece of bread and give it to a pigeon, it can't fly? Oh, it's a shame this murder case is getting in the way. I'd like to give that a try. Sweet Jamie. Great men don't shit their pants. Go get them, soldier. Oh, that's not a tape I thought. It's a incredible Jamie was incredible. he was a joy yeah. he really was he was yeah. he was perfect when really the fun. cameras stopped he carried on interviewing me yeah. to find out who had murdered Bruno Tonio <laughs> reality stars are weirdly yeah. quicker at improvising yeah, they are. I think the way they yeah. shoot those shows is actually a lot of go in that room and pretend yeah. you've had a breakup and stuff so and um, so those are obviously the celebrities do the show but obviously there's a whole cast of people impersonating celebrities yeah. how do you choose those characters because obviously you have more freedom with that because you don't have to get the you know I think, it's, agree to I think we're running out of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're running, but also it's finding you, you have staples of the cast. You've been with us for three years, Luke Kevin and Colin Holt, and you so we sort of throw it out to see who people can do. We might have a, an idea of you know oh, we, we'd like to see a version of this person, but then it's like really random things that you know. So Ellie White this year plays Bjork, and it was that was just her coming in, and we were like, look, Ellie, we really you know who do you, who would you want to do? And she was just like, what about Bjork? As an art, art zone in an art gallery, like, yeah, cool that work. And but sometimes, you know, and it, we're, we're really conscious of having, you know, just never being mean actually about the people that people are impersonating because that's not the sort of show it is. And there's so it's really, really it's, it's a version of that person. But like the Carr brothers, basically with a craze, as Alan and Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not coming in and spoofing them. It's just doing their voice, but th they have a different world and, and things that they, they work in, I guess, and work so, as. Something normally clicks when we talk about it, like a, a seed of something, and that might be an incredible impression that we add to with the character. So we'll go, we need a fisherman, and we know Colin can do this impression, and we can put those two together with Ian McKellen, because that kind of seems to work. And then sometimes it's just... Uh, like that, someone will come in and go, I can do this, and we think that's... Well, it's like, mm. I mean, the one... Oh, God, who is it? I've forgotten his name. <laughs> the celebrity. He's young, and I didn't know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> the Angela Merkel episode. Oh, oh George, George Ellis. George Ellis, yeah. sorry. 
Yeah. I knew he was, he was very nice. He's a nice boy. But well, you didn't have two days with him. <laughs> <laughs> he was, I enjoyed hanging out with Shelley. I didn't know who he was. Um, originally, that was, I was supposed to be Sue Perkins. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. then we sort of tried it, and it just was like, I think maybe I couldn't get enough. We weren't sure what to do. And but then Angela Merkel just made us laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so weird because Sue Perkins is so funny. Yeah. Sue I, Perkins is, a, is herself really funny. So it's really hard then to. So, and then weirdly, if you go, well, Angela Merkel's going to be this really needy pathologist who sort of <laughs> sleeps, got this weird friendship with that they hang out and go bowling together. It just works. Yeah. And it's, so I guess it's, and it just started things like we knew Luke Kempner could do it and meet an Andy Murray. Yeah, so we yeah. pushed that as a thing. Uh, and here's and Jeremy Kyle as well. I think oh, it's exceptional. Man, yeah, it was, yeah, it was Sometimes great. they really work. Sometimes, yeah. you know, yeah. So Carl is a sort of, you know, Wolf of Wall Street coach, yeah. sniffing banker, yeah. horrible. Um, yeah, sometimes they really work. But we never wanted it to be um, judged on the level of the impression. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's I, like I Miley Cyrus was, again, yeah. Yeah, was yeah. such a Miley Cyrus one's an old people's home. <laughs> it's like, that's ridiculous. But weirdly, it just worked. It yeah. is like there's a successful formula, isn't it? It's like yeah, you, you yeah. have to, they have to, the celebrity does something and has to go, oh yeah, that works. Yeah. Like, we talked today with the, with, the, with the one about the Victorian one, like we wanted to do Will I Am and, and he was in another episode we were going to do and yeah. that worked, I think it was the superheroes one. And then suddenly we had a chat and we were like, oh, we're doing this Victorian one, what about if Will I Am's this kind of steampunk guy about the future, because that's very Victorian, but it's also very Will I Am. And then we all just go, yep, that's completely <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, um, and Paloma Faith running a brothel yeah. with her voice, and that you know it sort of works really. It's it you start to piece and it together. For, and yeah. for years we wanted to do Jamie Oliver, and there was no one who could nail it. And then Tony Way came in. Who Tony Way is, you know, he's Harry Styles in in that. He sort of does one character every year, and we were like, look, you know, we've got this Jamie Oliver thing, and he just did this this, this lisp, and you're like, oh, wow, that. That's hilarious, and you know, and that sort of scene, he sort of really. Owned well, that what, what works there is you've got someone like Terry Minot, who's an incredible impression. So you've got an amazing Jonathan Ross, which buys you a really silly Jamie Oliver. Yeah, so yeah. we always try and have a balance, you know. So I think if the, if they were all just ridiculous, it wouldn't work. But because there's some good impressions, some you know. But essentially, we just want it to be funny at the end of the day. Yeah. I've done shows like you know I've done Bo Selector, which was mad, you know, you know mad impressions and then Morgan Robinson that's really really good impressions and then we just wanted it to be yeah. you know, silly versions and, and, and be judged on the funny rather than oh that's a really good you know yeah I think it, it definitely helped because there's definitely two camps of yeah. the actors of the ones who can do impressions and the ones like me who can do a version of yeah and, <laughs> and you're always glad Luke is there to go oh well at least he's doing something properly <laughs> but what you realize is I think with Luke Luke's a really good sort of like example of someone who's grown as a yeah. as a like his he does Bear Grylls in the last episode or second to last episode, and his improv has improved. So you know, yeah. the first you know the first scene we ever did, he was playing Brian Cox, and he laughed more than Greg Jane. He was literally <laughs> laughing through the whole scene. And there's a bit where I talk about, um, oh yeah, this uh, first case I ever had with a prostitute. You know, she'd been shot 87 times, and Greg started laughing, and I said, "Would you still laugh at that prostitute if you knew that prostitute was my mother?" And uh, Luke then is literally on his hands and knees crying <laughs> with laughter, and you're like, you're going to be holding this together. And uh, so now he's sort of three years down the line, he's really become a really good, you know. Yeah, there's corpses, yeah. there's corpses. Yeah, yeah we're I mean, very careful yeah. with the, like, yeah. corpse. James is very good. Like, we, we take it to the point where you're laughing. But what we've done this series more is, I think, with, because we're so used to it and more confident, you have things like Richard Osmond with Sebastian Crabbe, and that is genuinely just an extra we've got in who kept mumbling a certain yeah, yeah. phrase. <laughs> but there's very few shows which we love where someone can point that out and Slick can carry on 
and that's fine to talk about that, even though it's supposed to be within the drama. We can le leave all that in, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes you watch a movie blooper reel is funnier than that, you know, because you people just love seeing people, you know, oh. nearly going or collapsing, or and those moments are, are, are joyous to. Um, and they're, and they're quite delicate, yeah, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, when yeah. we get to the edit, if you have a moment, like Martin Kemp, forgetting his name, um, you, you... Is he all right now? Is he OK? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you, you, have to, you, you have to embrace those moments. You can't cut any time out of them. You have to, so in the edit, it's quite... Uh, you have to sort of embrace the moment and let it feel real. But that's why we started to leave them in in the first place, just to, in that first series, the corpse in, just to remind everyone that this is improvised. This is sort of, you know, going off script and... And then that became more of a thing. I think we agreed the first series to leave in like maybe one corpse an episode. Really? And then second series more, and then third series. And then some cameraman. <laughs> we wouldn't yeah. have actually had a scene. <laughs> there was never a take when someone wasn't really laughing. Yeah, the yeah. I mean, I think the corpsing is again part of the charm, and again yes. that fine line with successful of like it, the audience have to believe it's genuine. Yeah. And, yes. And I think it always is because we are always trying yeah. to. Yeah. And I'm a terrible corpser. Like genuinely, the first thing I ever shot. Uh, with James was a kids TV show and I was in the background of shots just laughing and so James was fucking laughing and yeah. I'd be like oh, it's really funny he's like you're in the scene <laughs> I know and, it's funny and it's uh, so, so for me it was the, the first series I really tried to hold it together yeah. I think I only really corpsed once maybe twice was with Louis Smith I really really yeah. and then the second series you sort of and this series it was more like I can relax a little bit more with it you know the, the moments with Richard because I think yeah, you're not as conscious and, and as worried. I, mean, I think, you're, the, as you know, the adrenaline is so high yeah. to make sure that it sort of like you, you're going in the right direction. You hit every point you need to hit. Because as silly as it is and as fun as it is, it's amazing. In my mind, it is like, well, I've got four or five jokes I really want to get out, yeah. but I'll probably never, they'll never be heard. There's great jokes always in the, seri like in the scripts, but they just sometimes you never get to them. Mm. So it's like, what am I going to do if he does this? What am I going to do? And usually they do something, you know, so that moment with Richard, with Sebastian Crabbe, where Every time, so James had given the extra a, um, a thing. So every time they say your name, you've just got a mumble. So I was like, oh, you're Sebastian Crab. And he's like, ooh. And then we talk. And then Richard said, I was, every time you say his name, he mumbles. I was like, oh, he's just a really limited actor. That's the direction <laughs> that he's been given. And uh, that became like this ridiculous thing. And, and, and we were both, you can't really hold that in. You never know when that's going You're just always at the verge of yeah. like, this, this could just break away. I spend most scenes digging my nails in. That's yeah. how I stop myself. You had the hardest thing we've ever filmed yeah. with Greg James when you were Justin Bieber. That was that was the hardest thing I've ever that, seen. Honestly, I think we filmed for two and a half hours. It was ridiculous how long. Yeah, that was. It wasn't so, working. It, it wasn't, wasn't working. working. We had planned to do. Oh, he has to get a puppet and he has to do the voice of the puppet, which we had done with on the, yeah, yeah, on yeah. the pilot. And when it came to filming it, Greg James refused to do it. <laughs> he just said, "I'm not doing it," and I'm like, "Yeah, come on, be a puppet." <laughs> and he was like, "No." And so we were all sort of like, yeah. ah, okay. <laughs> and it just, we, we knew we hadn't got anything until you yeah. came back and said that you'd done a shit on my desk. <laughs> and that Always go highbrow. <laughs> <laughs> that killed me. I think because we've been in there for two and a half hours. But I think that's where the I pressure just, was so yeah. paramount. It's a weird thing though with comedy, I think, which is a lesson learned from that, is we'd done it. We'd done oh. it once already in the pilot, and yeah, sometimes yeah, when yeah. you try and recreate something that you've already done, it's never as funny. Which you is know, the always go for a new idea. Rule of improv is you can't do it yeah. again. No. And often I think commissioners or you know executive producers will be like, "Oh, I liked it. Like that's and let's do it again." You're like, it, "The magic happened there." Yeah. Like every, pigeon in the stone. If you, every if you year scripted that, it would try, yeah. every year a writer will send in a script that at some point has me and the celebrity's ear. 
and it never worked. Right, yeah, We've yeah. done it. We, we did it as Jamie. It worked so well. So it's like trying to recreate that. And it, every year we try it in the Arsene Wenger scene this year. It was me and Richard's here, and it just just doesn't work. It, We've done it, something, and yeah, we're yeah. going, all right, well, let's try that old trick. And you've got to find those new tricks, those new things that are going to become, hopefully, the next pigeon in the stone. Um, well, let's have a, another clip from Series 2, which I've forgotten to show. <laughs> this is Paul Whitehouse talking to Vicky Patterson. Great. Kick off his hood. Get off me. OK. You're great. Because you're from Glasgow. What you on about? What you after? Money? Word of the wise, sonny, Jim. And you, half-pint, you don't want to make an enemy out of me. And anyway, what are you talking about? You insane! Run away from Glitzky! And we're going to dig your head and we're going to bring you a brisket! Glasgow where? Nigeria? No, uh, Glasgow in Scotland! Uzbekistan? Ha, <laughs> I'm going to take your pincher <laughs> and kick! I'm going to... Hey, do me a favour. What's he on about? Right, this is Shut him. up! You mug. Where were you from? I'm a cockney geezer, ain't I? <laughs> He's gonna Don't make me laugh. The pair of you bleeding muppets. Leave me every bit of it. <laughs> now I'm gonna show you how tough I am. <laughs> yeah, tell you, I took you in down. Here, have you seen his eyebrows? Look what? at that. What's the expression of mean? Look at the size of them. You're, You're some kind of freak you are. Believe me, under there, a Herzut gorilla. What? He's just, he's just no, that's it, that's it, I'm going to... Oh, it is you, Sleep. You didn't know it was me until oh, I put yes, this... Oh, yes, I did. Yes, You're it's on my me. case again, are you, you lanky glass of milk? You, how did you know it was me before? I'll tell you what, you sound more Scottish now than when you was doing all that Glasgow fuck off stuff. Oh, <laughs> Shushy, Goodman. Shushy. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Obviously, we have talked briefly about how complex a show it is to film, but like, what, what are the, how do you sit down and, and plan something like this? And who, like, the, the shooting schedule and the complexities of it must just be. Is, is there a huge group of people organising that? I don't even know. I don't see Yeah, that. It's, 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 it's the toughest job you, you'll ever do, really, and it, it only works um, because we have a fantastic team and we've had the same team from the very beginning from a, from a camera point of view, from a production design point of view, costume. Uh, makeup and 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 everyone needs to be at the top of their game because we're filming something as I say that you'd normally have six days for we're filming it in two uh, and so everything sort of has to has to work but yeah a, a lot of planning um, intricate detail on on you know and, and you hope that what we try to do is have a pre-lit set um, that you walk them around in um, um, but the reality of that is the first episode, sort of that, you get to the second one, and, we, and, and already, you know, time and money, um, you know, and, and, and it runs away, and you're sort of walking around, and things are being built as you're, you know, so, but, um, but yeah, just a, a hell of a lot of planning and a great team that goes into it. Um, I think uh, we've got some slides of the scene breakdown. Let's have a look. Oh, this, I think this is our, so this is before we go in, these are our, this is from series two, these are our, this is our grand plan as we go in, which we probably do 20% of now. So this is all the scenes. And what we do by the end of just before we're going to shoot, this is our kind of breakdown of every single thing, what we do. So what happened over the series is things that say bumper and I think pre-chat. So we start using our own terminology. And what we found from just doing it was we, got, we used to get little gems, like that Jamie scene with Pigeon and Stone was actually down as something we call a pre-chat, which is just telling what he's about to do. But actually ended up having this brilliant scene in the same Sebastian Crab. And bumpers are when you saw really back at the beginning in the car, 
with Connor and for us, we were always concerned originally that what happened if a scene didn't work? How would we fill that gap? So the bumpers and the pre-chats became our way of, if this bit doesn't work, then we've got this bit as a kind of backup. And then by series three, which is this one, we kind of evolved even more and we got into more, let's just write a story and drop people into it. But um, that's what uh, we look at every we day. We didn't know what was going to work first series and so every interrogation every suspect was movable um, and the bumpers you know if that didn't work we make the you know put a bumper there because that was really funny or whatever but it was a movable feast um, and the murder mystery still worked and then yeah once we knew it worked we became more confident so as Andy said in season two and even more so in three the bumpers tie into the story and and the sort of interrogations have to go in a certain order because they're you know there's a knock-on effect and more like a proper scripted you know yeah. uh, story really. Do any of the celebrities ever want to see the script? Have you no. Yeah, that, no, no, I think we've had people vaguely ask what they're going to do. Right, yeah. I think yeah. people who are a bit more worried about it. I think, yeah, there's a couple of people who... And I, I, but I think that sort of third series, that they know that it's going to take the joy out of it. I think that's the trouble, I think... Well, not the trouble, but the thing is, this series, as James sort of already mentioned, is them sort of preempting it. And it's sort of... I guess yeah. that's been the hardest thing this series, mm. pushing those limits. But they know, they know the nothing. Thing. They know nothing. And, yeah, I, and, I, and I very much... I direct, well, as you know, the experience that they're going into um, rather than... I, I never talk to them. So you I, don't I direct the celebrity at all? No, I, I never talk to them. I sort of made a rule of... I just hide in the shadows. And like an immersive experience, I sort of just speak to you Which guys. Which he does in his sort of personal life. As well, yeah. <laughs> it's getting a bit weird. Uh, uh, but yeah, it, uh, so I, at the end of it, do you I, say hello to them. Yeah, the yeah, and say I'm really sorry yeah. that you know I'll say hello, but um, I think you're so aloof. No, I know, I know, and I feel bad because they're like, what the hell's going on? But that's why it works. I think if you if you give them a note, then in their head they start to try to act, and that's what you don't want. Yeah. You know, as Andy said earlier, we do sometimes just one take, as you know. But if we, you know, the first take is when they you get their real reaction. Uh, take two, they know the scenario. So naturally you act because you know what's coming up and, and what you want is reacting. Um, so uh, I, th I think if I give them notes, then that's the same thing. It will just throw them. And Tom um, never meets them before as sleeps. I mean, there's some people that Tom does has known or worked with, but, but on the day they're coming to be a rookie, the first time they meet sleep is they go into that office. In that office. And that's it. And they, they don't see him before sort of anything. Try to stay in character as long as you can. But it's sometimes hard because sometimes, as you know, with Mark or some some people get <laughs> really, really no, 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 no. Mark. I mean, or George. Here, is there's, there's been a couple who are so anxious they get yeah. worried about it. They get worried about how they're performing. And James, you know, and I think they, they sort of overthink it sometimes. So it's sometimes you have to drop the character and sort of put a bit of an arm around them yeah. and say, look, this is great. You just, you know. Funny thing about Mark is he didn't understand why there was a different celebrity each week. He was just like, why can't it just be me and you? Yeah, yeah. He wanted a <laughs> At one point, he saw a pitch to me remaking the Sweeney. Um, uh, so oh he was, I, you know, he was, he was all right, Mark. He was good. He, he took it, was a good lad. He was he a took it so seriously yeah. that when I pulled out a gun as Claudia Winkleman, I thought he was going to wrench it out of my hand. Yeah. <laughs> like, I genuinely, he, he genuinely thought I had a gun. He, he said to me... <laughs> He was, scared, bit, he was scared yeah, in the drug he, he yeah, bit he was where scared. We do, we, again, it was never seen, but it's a bit of sleep standing going, who do you think it is, kid? Yeah. And he was like... Uh, I don't know, mate. I'm still on edge a bit. Said, well, what's up? What's, what's wrong with you? And that fucking crack den. I've never been in a crack den before. <laughs> I was like, well, it wasn't a real crack den. <laughs> no, this is a set and they're yeah. actresses. And in his head, it was everything oh, yeah, was high real. stakes. And so yeah. even at the end of it, where he was saying about Frankie Boyle, I fucking hated him. He was so angry. He did angry. Him. He was really like, yeah. 
So he was like, his emotions were just on the... As a star of a reality show, perhaps, yeah, yeah he's... Yeah, he yeah. said to me after the reality, office yeah. scene, it was like, I can't believe Gordon Ramsay was there. It was so exciting. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gordon Credit yeah. to Liam, it's a great impression. <laughs> Not yeah. the real Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we'd have the budget for that. <laughs> We've talked about um, Martin lots. Let's just see the clip of Martin Kemp here, which is a, is a... This is from the new series, which is out now. What is this place? Shh. This is Successful's Gentleman's Club. Mm. Listen, Martin, we're going to have to have aliases. I am going to be Spencer... Crenshaw Lee McQuaffin. Mm. You will be my brother Lafayette. Lafayette? The Crenshaw Lee McQuaffin brothers. Mm. The what brothers? Crenshaw Lee McQuaffin. The Crenshaw Lee McQuaffin brothers. Crenshaw Lee McQuaffins. Crenshaw Lee McQuaffin, I implore you to get this right. Crenshaw Lee? Crenshaw Martin. Lafayette. Crenchingly, McCuffin. Crenchingly. <laughs> Do you want me to change the name to no. Taylor? No. Would that be easier for you if just we were just a Taylor? I'm trying to, but you're infuriating me. Crenchingly? <laughs> Marty. Marty. Okay, the Crenchingly McCuffin. McCuffin. Quaff. Just call it McCuffin. <laughs> One second. Okay. Just call it Quinchingly McCruffin. Quinchingly McCruffin. Yeah. Lafayette McCruffin. Yeah, Lafayette and Spencer. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> that is obviously a brilliant one. Can, what is, of the three series, what is each of you your favourite moment? I know it's hard, but uh, I have to ask. I want to go with, I, I think, Deborah Meadon in bed with Deborah. And uh, we, we sort of had 10, 15 minutes to shoot that in one take and um, sort of sitting there and I was trying to get Deborah to sing me a lullaby and trying to get her to do anything she wouldn't do. And then <laughs> so just good. out of nowhere, the bed creaked or she might have farted. <laughs> bed, uh, I was like, was that you, Meadon? And she just fell apart and she was like, yes, yes, it was. And I think, yeah, and it was just then it just... It, it's just a, such a joyous thing of just as an improviser and as an actor, just then taking her on a... You know, we had this weird story about Sleet and a fox and, you know, fix, you know taking a dump in a foxhole and the fox telling Sleet that life was going to be OK and Sleet's life got better and he went back to see the fo fox and they built a council estate on there. And Deborah's breaking down of the story was like, that's not a good story. <laughs> you shitting in a foxhole <laughs> and then beating up someone in a council estate. And, uh, but it was just literally out of nowhere and we had nothing. We, you know, nothing had worked and it was just like this weird thing of just... Just that one little moment, and to jump on something, and then you know, and then find the dynamic. Yeah, the and then yeah. just to see it when it goes out, and you know, it's uh, yeah. I think that's what the show is. I think that that's the one thing that you know. I always think that's we, to hit those moments, to try always to get that that little bit that you've never seen or you, you've never. That even was like then we had like ten minutes at the end of mm. the, the the last day there. Yeah. Last, uh, the first day, um, and we nearly wasn't going to film it. It was like we haven't got enough time, and we was just like let's just do it one take, one done, yeah, yeah. and and we got gold, you know. So you never you never know. Andy, what's one? Uh, mine's actually like probably from like watching the part of the taster. So from like a producer's point of view, you see lots of shows and work on them, and I remember just sitting in the edit and someone sh showed that taster you've seen that we shot, and 
me just, and I didn't laugh, and the person who'd cut it, the editor was like, oh, is it okay? And it was just my brain was processing that I hadn't seen anything like that before, like just yeah. people breaking down and the character and the comedian. So then I watched it again and laughed loads, so they were a bit relieved about <laughs> that. But I do always remember that time in that room thinking, I've never seen anything like that, which is exciting when you get to make things because you think it's something new. So I think it's probably yeah. for me. I think it's the first time to have improv on television where the audience are almost represented by the yeah. celebrity which is a yeah. very successful way of mm. showing it, which hasn't been done before. Yeah. James, what's your favourite? Um, there's two moments for me, which is, uh, for me, the first time I went in the edit in the first series, and it's the first day, um, and my editor showed me the, the, the Jamie Lang, um, and I laughed so hard, and I still do, was crying with laughter um, when he goes undercover, and, and that was the first time it dawned on me that we might have something special. And I remember getting people in the in the edit house, in the post house, to come and see this moment. And everyone was just crying with laughter. And you, you know, when you work in comedy, you cut comedy and you laugh a lot, but first time you see something, and second time and third time, it starts to not get, and it, it was still funny, you know. Um, so that, and then for me, the, the second series where uh, the Scandinavian episode with Emma Bunton, uh, where Sleek gets shot, um, and it was just so nice to add story to that in, in a sort of drama way. And uh, Emma's reaction was so was so genuine, like he'd actually really been shot. And I remember she so said, sweet, "What it? about what about the next series or something?" You know? <laughs> um, and uh, and that was a nice moment. And and the reaction to that that he might be dead and just being able to sort of push it to that place from where it started was another highlight for me. So. Amazing. Thank you all so much. We're Thank now going to open it up to questions. We've got. Um, some time there. So we do have microphones roaming, so please put your hands up really clear if you have a question. Um, yes, this gentleman here in the light jacket. Th thank you, that's great fun. Could I take you to the beginning of it again, however, when you said um, we made a taster and uh, we showed it to the BBC. Could you give me a bit more detail on what, what actually that entails? I mean, had you pr previously contacted a commissioning editor at the BBC by telephone, bumped into them at a party? Um, or, or, and and the, the, the point I mean is, uh, at what point do you decide we're going to put all this money and, and effort into creating a taster, um, which you might have done with no one really being very interested in looking at it. How did you establish that it was worth worth investing at that I point? I didn't bump into him at a party because Tom doesn't let me go to parties. Andy, <laughs> Andy drinks too much. Um, <laughs> the, uh, what, what normally happens is, so I work in a department and you develop ideas and I run that and, and it gets to a point where you, the first time we went and pitched it to ITV, just over like, like you go and have a meeting with them. It was ITV first. Yeah, it was ITV first. So we went and had a meeting with them and it was from that that it evolved into doing the read through and they pay for that. So you don't pay for any of that, they do that. You pay initially for some of making the, you know, the documents and the team that help you develop it. And then from that, the read through just, like you said, it just doesn't come over in a read through. So we went with the same sort of document and the idea to Zyat BBC. Uh, and we just, we're lucky enough that we work, I, at the time, worked for Tiger, so those meetings you can put in and, you know, you can go and talk to them. Uh, and it was just, a, we, we pitched this thing and he said, oh, could you do a read-through? That sounds really funny. And we went, no, 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 the money it costs to get the actors in and book a room, do a read-through, give us that money and we'll film, like, ten, I think we shot ten minutes over a day and look at that because we feel it's a better way of showing what it could be. So in terms of that money, we didn't actually put much into it. We just had the documents and the passion and Tom and we would go in and talk about it. 
and they would give us the money to do more. But we, we decided our, our bit was not to use that money to do another read-through, because we'd already done that. And our money was to take that money and find a way of filming it is what... Some ideas you just have to shoot. Mm. It's, you can't, you can't yeah. get across what it's going to be unless you actually film something, and, and they can watch it and, and see. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a, a person right at the back with glasses. If you get the microphone there, and then this gentleman in the blue shirt, we give him a microphone. You just have to be right in the middle. So whoever gets the microphone first will go to you, and then we'll go to Exciting. the Exciting. Oh, it's like a race. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh. He's won. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys touched on it a little bit, but um, how important was it to keep the immersive experience for the rookies, like between takes and going to locations? Did you stay in character, or did you do I things? I think that's the most important thing. I think there's the, the moment when they walk into that sort of, you know, the set, and it, they see it all, and it all, you know, you know, going to Mark or Greg, I remember Greg Jones, we had a the Mary Berry Soggy Bottoms, which was a strip club with men in thongs. So the first moment that they walk into that and they see it for the first time, you, you can't, you know, you can't buy that. And I think for me, it's important to, you know, say for Greg James or Dermot O'Leary, I sort of, I've known Dermot for quite a number of years and he's sort of was, you know, lovely to me in my sort of early start of my career, but that he can cast that difference between me being Tom Davis and me being D.I. Sleet. So for that one, I'm, I'm pretty much D.I. Sleet the whole time. As you know, as as much as I can be, without actually sleeping in my car. Um, so uh, yeah, it it was it's yeah it's always trying to keep the experience as raw as we can. And they are kept entirely separately. Everyone, yeah. we all have lunch in a completely different area. Like mm. they're yeah. just left alone. By the poor I think there's only been one time where I've had to go and sit with someone <laughs> because they felt so lonely. <laughs> uh, we we, we have an associate producer whose job is just to look after them and sort of keep them away and make sure there's no scripts around. And but they're literally blindfolded pretty much until they arrive on set because mm. um, um, it's all about that first reaction and we've done we've done little things like the Emma Bunton one um, we made everything smell horrible we made yeah. you know I mean we do little things to help the immersive environment well, we were quite fortunate with that one we just had a really smelly member of staff but yeah and, and like this series there was a big scene in a there's one that Reggie's it's a big kind of John Wick kind of homage and there's a seen in a bar and we'd never done it before and we had this kind of live band playing and even like so what I do just before is I go through it with Tom as in we run it for James so he can see Tom can be mean to me for about an hour and then we just check it all kind of works so sometimes little bits come out of it we go oh that person's quite funny that extra over there we should definitely use them in it somewhere and um and then but that one for me I remember that one in particular I kind of walked in even though I knew what we were doing, and it was, you just thought you were walking into a hotel, you know, someone was serving drinks, people were chatting, and the band were playing, and it was sort and of it, like, whoa. Sharon Osbourne is a sort of sexy jazz singer. Yeah. And in, in the Reggie episode, there was a thing where we're, we're just waiting around, and it, it's one of those moments before the scene, and sort of not really getting a great reaction from him, so this woman was walking around with a sort of onion on a plate, so I grabbed this onion and took a big bite from it like it was an apple, I was like, listen, we've got it. And he was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and for the next two days, I didn't brush my teeth, so I stank of onion, uh, just to constantly have that as a joke. Yeah. Great for my wife. <laughs> um, then they get kidnapped later, and they're locked in a fridge in the hotel, and they've got to escape, and they think that there's, you know, they're locked in there for, forever, and the only thing that's in there is onions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the weird thing is, like, we leapfrog, so onions didn't exist till that bit, so suddenly we're like, we'll put onions in the fridge, but it wasn't, it's one of those... You're constantly working and embracing, yeah. Um, gentleman in the blue shirt, you ready for this? Hi, so um, I was just wondering, um, I work in audio post-production, so I was just wondering how much uh, perhaps Andy and James thought about 
using sound to embellish and enhance the script in any way on it's, music composition? Yeah, it's an interesting question because um, uh, we found if you, if you added too much sound design, sound effects, so it felt more like a high-end drama would have, it, it sometimes would take away from the improv. So it's a really fine line because we want to give it as much as we can the production value of like a film or a high-end drama. Um, but but it, 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 in certain moments, um, it took away from the realism because it felt too heavily produced. So it, interestingly, it was a really fine line. And, and sometimes I'd go into the dub and naturally, you know, um, the guys have added a load of stuff and it suddenly wasn't funny. And so I'd take that out and then it became funny again. So, yeah, it, it, the whole thing is a constant, same with the, the style of cutting and mm -hmm. um, it's a real fine line to, to keep that realism and make it feel like it's improv rather than too, too sort of produced. Sometimes we, we watch like just before, like the day before when we're getting the programme down to 29 minutes from sometimes like three, two hours. Not in one day, obviously. Um, and then uh, we'll watch one scene, won't we? And we go, oh, we've, we've sort of cut it too short. We need those little pauses where people do, don't know what's happening. And then we'll go back and the editor will go, can we put those back in? And yeah. the, the, um, You have to keep it rough around the edges in places to, 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 to help those funnies. Yeah. I think we've got time for one final question. Yes, this lady down the front here. So if you take your mic. Uh, the person furthest away. Yeah. <laughs> Last question, thank you. Hi. Um, in, the, uh, in the Osmond scene with the mumbling guy you mentioned earlier, yeah. um, there's a little bit in there where I think one of you says, um, oh, this bit was only supposed to be two minutes. Yeah. And then with the, with the will I am bit, there's the whole, the truth serum and yeah. the look, you look down the lens and you have that kind of breaking the fourth wall thing. And obviously Successful is quite self-aware anyway because it's yeah. kind of parody and stuff. I, did, I just wondered if leaving those little bits in, if that, is that like that an intentional conscious thing to break that a bit more? Or? I mean, so the Richard thing was that was that just as it happened, and also it was a weird, that was us being conscious, even sort of in rehearsals really, and, and sort of coming into it that people would know what's going to happen. So in the Jamie and the, the first series, the second series, people wouldn't, they didn't know sort of like how it was going to work almost. Whereas this year, everyone kind of knew the beats and they knew that you know so so that breaking the fourth wall you know there's a bit in the richard osman episode where the, the boom guy is in the way of me getting my coat so i'm like get out of the way ben and so it was like right let's open out and if i'll you know credit to these two when it that that moment with where i am they were like we need another level of funny so what if you just completely just break down and also because you know bless them the prop department they're incredible what they do but there was plastic bottles and printed labels so that was like well, this is ridiculous. If we're going to do a period piece, we have to pay attention to the small detail. So, yeah, and it was, but that was, these two were just but like, let's try like, this yeah. thing and it could work. And nothing's ever, because you just can't do it, nothing's ever planned that we do that because whenever, I think once or twice in series one, there was a, because we were so like, nervous about making sure it worked, we may have thought about why don't we try this as a, but, but actually it never worked. When gen generally things go wrong, like the boom guy going there and stuff, it's sort of, you kind of can't fake it, as in you just know when you're watching it, it's been faked. So all of that is sort of what happens really. I think there's bits in the Reggie one where it's sort of fallen apart a bit. And it yeah. We did push it more this yeah. series though, I think, I think cause you know, it, it's, it's just lovely to be able to keep those bits in, I think, because just because of the concept you can, because they're, they're, it's making you laugh in so many different levels, your, your character performance, mm. scripted jokes, 
um, you know, and then the corpsing and, and leaving all the mistakes in, if you like, you know, and really breaking the fourth wall is just another layer of, of trying to make you laugh. So it's What's next? Is there series four or um, is there... We always wait for the BBC to see, but I mean, we're, we're, the three of us have sort of set up our own company now, and so the idea is to, to sort of take this to the big screen, uh, you know, and, and keep it, you know, not go crazy with the budget because it's such a mad thing to do, but we make this show for so little. Yeah that the idea is just to sort of go, right, how do we take the sort of, the, the, the comedy, the style that we've sort of, I guess, got known for doing this sort of silly sort of, you know, craziness and taking that to the big screen. So between the three of us, we've developed that now as an idea and there's quite a bit of interest for that. So we're doing that and we've, we've got, you know, a thing we're not allowed to talk about, but we have got our next TV project lined up and that's all been commissioned and ready to go. So we, you know, we're, you know, it's, I mean, the next thing is more scripted. So we, we lose the, the, the backing of, of having stuff falling apart. <laughs> it might just happen anyway, and it might just we'll be a bad one. Yeah. We're not very good at making TV programmes. We can't actually manage one that's just falling apart at the hinges. And, we can still uh, do that with the next script, isn't it? No. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming to the BAFTA Guru Murder Successful Talk, and a huge round of applause to Tom, Andy and James as well. Thank you.